We are two friends trying to gain perspective on the remarkable world around us. I'm Jet Jones. I'm Mackenzie DeMaio. And this is Friends Fascinated. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to review and subscribe. This episode, we are going to do a deep dive into cloning. We have an exciting new segment on the podcast. It's called Fascinating Facts, but we need your help to make it happen. Every episode, we will pick one fascinating fact to be read at the beginning of each episode. All you need to do to participate is email us your favorite fact at friendsfascinated at gmail.com or you can DM us your fact on Instagram. We want to hear a fact about culture, conspiracies, crime, or mysteries, but honestly, nothing is off the table. Jet, did you know that farting helps reduce high blood pressure and is good for your health? (laughs) (laughs) Then my husband's really healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, mine too. (laughs) Mackenzie, did you know some tick bite victims develop a new allergy to red meat? Meat like beef? Lamb and pork can make people with this allergy experience headaches, sneezing, runny nose, and sometimes nausea. In severe cases, it can even cause the person to be unable to breathe. For some sufferers, the allergy fades over time, but for others, it's permanent. That's so scary. Yeah. One bite, allergic to meat. Oof. Scary. If we pick your fact, we will read it on our next episode and give you a shout out. We also want to mail you a gift for participating. So get writing, people. It's your turn to blow our minds. And this week is extra exciting. Well, mainly for just one person because he's been begging for weeks and weeks and (laughs) weeks to be a part of this thing that we have going. He is Dakota Jones. (laughs) How's it going? (laughs) I'm uh, I'm Jet's husband, in case anyone didn't know. (laughs) We're super excited to have you on this week. Our first guest. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Yep. So we're excited uh, that this week we get to talk about cloning with Dakota. Yay. Woohoo. So cloning was a fun thing to start researching because you hear about it a lot in like science fiction and movies and things, but we don't really hear much about what's actually happening in the real world. So it's fun to learn a little bit more about what's actually happening and how early it started. Yeah. And growing up, I mean, we've all taken introductory science classes. So you hear about DNA and like Punnett squares, Mm -hmm. but it's hard to ever imagine how all that like comes together so we're trying to with bits and pieces in this episode pull all that together to get some understanding on how cloning could possibly exist exactly because as usual we knew very little about the subject before we really dug in yep so for anyone who's not aware uh cloning is the process of producing genetically identical individuals of an orgasm This is why I love this show. I was so happy I could be here. Good start. And we're three minutes in and most of it was already recorded. I think you should keep it in. That's fantastic. Uh, I might. God. Anyway. Anyway. Cloning is the process of producing genetically identical individuals of organisms, either naturally or artificially. Uh, So a natural form of this would be asexual reproduction in the form of cloning. So essentially, it's photocopying the DNA of one organism or being, whatever it may be, and kind of copying and pasting into a new life form. Hmm. Makes sense. So the term clone is derived from the Greek word klon, with a K, K-L-O-N, meaning twig. <laughs> Why do I feel like that's like a macho man's name? Like, clon. Yo, I'm <laughs> actually sounds like. Welcome to the frat. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. <laughs> like a very millennial or like yeah. <laughs> new age <laughs> version. Oh boy. Uh, but yes, it means twig, which refers to the process where a new plant can be created from a twig. Whoa. So it's taking a little piece of that thing and creating a new thing. So reproductive cloning generally uses somatic cell nuclear transfer, uh, which is commonly abbreviated as SCNT, to create animals that are genetically identical. This process entails the transfer of a nucleus from a donor adult cell, the somatic cell, to an egg from which the nucleus has been removed, or to a cell from a blastocyst 
from which the nucleus has been removed. If the egg begins to divide normally, it is transferred into the uterus of the surrogate mother. Such clones are not strictly identical since the somatic cells may contain mutations in their nuclear DNA. And something I read about as well on that is when they're implanting the nucleus into the cell to create the clone, it's more successful the younger the DNA is that's it's coming from if you that mean, makes sense do you mean how long it's been detached from its original no so like how young the being is yes, they're taking it from yes. so like in theory a baby yes whoa so that's, that's kind of weird that's why stem cells are so important because they're much more moldable hence are they why taken from babies they're taken from i think um what are they called belly button tubes I think they're taken from placentas and umbilical cords. Umbilical cords. Oh, I was gonna say esophaguses. Ew. That's... Ew. No. <laughs> <laughs> I heard belly button tube. I don't know. No. <laughs> All I could think of was belly button tube. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I think the younger the cell is, the more likely it is to like, I don't know, help like beings are creative, right? They I mean, copy, divide, copy, divide, copy, divide to create a being until it exists. It kind of makes sense because they're kind of newly discovering how things work yeah. and how they function. Whereas for an adult, they know the drill. And so if you mess that up, I could see why that could cause more problems. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, that was just one thing I read about. So I think in some cases it's been successful, but it's much more likely that if that, whatever you said, nucleus or DNA or whatever mm-hmm. the heck they're putting in the middle of the egg is more successful to go like full term and create a actual cloned hmm. living thing. Interesting. I didn't know that. a younger thing. Cool. Yeah. So the best current cloning techniques have an average success rate of 9.4%, and that can be as high as 25% when working with familiar species like mice, uh, while cloning wild animals is usually closer to like 1% success rate. It's a lot lower. Yeah. And so uh, several tissue banks have come to existence, and so that includes something called the Frozen Zoo at the San Diego Zoo, where they store tissue uh, from the world's rarest and most endangered species. Hmm. So they've cloned a lot of, like, typical animals like lab rats, but also they've tried to bring back extinct or endangered species. Which brings me to our first ethical hurdle, I suppose, that we could discuss. And throughout this episode, I'm going to try to pose questions that we can debate regarding this. Because this, as we will learn, is a pretty convoluted Mm -hmm. theoretical... Because there isn't that many successful cloning things. So we're getting into Jurassic Park territory (laughs) and how things can go south really fast when it comes to especially cloning extinct animals. And from what I've heard, I mean, I think they're working on the woolly mammoth. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, what I saw is they have not been successful, but yes, they're Exactly. Trying. They're trying. And um, with a lot of extinct species, if we think about our world, there's a reason that they went extinct, right? It's either mm-hmm. natural selection is happening where Animals are dying because they just can't hack it or the world is evolving and their species isn't meant to exist anymore for Mm -hmm. whatever theological reason that you could ever dream up, Mm -hmm. right? Or it could just be the fact that their beak is shorter than another bird's beak and mm -hmm. therefore they can't eat the right food so they die. So if we're talking about just like recently extinct animals, let's say say we're closer to polar bears being extinct or whatever – and we decide to bring them back, what good are we doing them if we're bringing an animal that is extinct mm-hmm. back to the struggled. planet that struggled, yeah. right? So are we helping or hurting or are we just cloning things to keep them in captivity to make our awful human selves feel better mm-hmm. about the fact that, oh, they're not dead. We still have white bears. We just have them in cages and we look at them and we're not <laughs> guilty. Like, well, yeah, it's warming. kind of the question of are we just setting them up to fail again? Yeah. But also it depends on how you look at it. Some people have a stronger belief that things happen for a reason. And then when we meddle in that and try to change history, that's bound to create problems. Well, I mean, to play devil's advocate here, like natural selection occurs when uh, genetics work out to benefit a certain species and then that species lives on through that benefit. However, if you look at animals in like the Jurassic period, you know, they were ended because of the asteroid mm-hmm. and they were eliminated because not necessarily a natural selection. Like their their mm-hmm. fault was essentially 
getting blown up as opposed to like <laughs> yeah. mole rats who could live in the earth after the asteroid and continued life which like you know yeah. hats off to them but there's the dinosaurs no reason why didn't have a chance <laughs> and i can bring them back well and i guess that brings up the question of like what really happened because i know i was as we've talked about i was raised in a religious household and so i was taught that that's not what happened and so I guess I've never been sure what the history is from a science perspective of what definitely happened to the dinosaurs. Quick question. Yeah. What were you taught? I don't think I was ever given a straight answer, but the idea was that the Earth is only about 6,000 years old wow. and dinosaurs probably weren't ever real. <laughs> yeah. But again. That is so I mean, but they're odd. like. Because they're not in the Bible. <laughs> but they're in the ground. <laughs> Like, See, and I don't know. You can buy a mammoth tusk pen mm-hmm. on Amazon, like right now. You know? Yeah, I have no idea. Have you seen Ice Age? <laughs> it's real. It wasn't like really. Wait, Sid, is it real? <laughs> I've seen like one and two and three, like a bunch of those. But yeah, I don't. I, I was never given a straight answer. But there's all those conflicts in the whole like evolution because i was taught that evolution is not real and that earth is only like six thousand years old because that's essentially what the bible dates back to and according to the bible that's when like adam and eve were created and so that's what the timeline of the bible at least the way i was taught or the theories never talked about this before i did not know that you were raised yeah with that I've never really put much thought into, do I believe? Like, yes, I believe that dinosaurs existed because, yes, we find their bones. But I don't have a good grasp on how old I think the planet is. I don't know how, like, what I believe as far as were we once monkeys? Like, all those things. So I I was kind of under the impression, like, there is no concrete answer because science versus what I was taught is so vastly different. It's it's really fun. It's really fun to meet people like later <laughs> on in life who actually still believe this. I yeah. worked with a guy who was like, oh, you know, like those guys that like carve out stone to make it look like dinosaur <laughs> bones. And it's You're all a like, big hoax. Uh, and... Those are professional yeah, scientists. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, are you in college? Like, <laughs> what are you yeah, talking about, crazy. buddy? Yeah. Well, and that's like a whole thing. That's why not very many people in i don't know if it's all religions or christianity like they don't really go into science fields because the majority of what they believe doesn't match science yeah for like older things and so that's definitely a area of conflict yeah i mean i don't want to step on anybody's toes as far as like what they believe in or whatever but there is a college um in the area that we live in that has a lot of the students who are kind of evolution deniers and so yeah. you actually meet people that was like, my childhood <laughs> you know making jokes about oh you know you're acting crazy do you got some monkey in you <laughs> and it's like ah. yeah ah. You do. <laughs> i do well that's why my armpits are hairy buddy yeah. like calm down well, well yeah and there's yeah. yeah there's so many different arguments about that but i remember so <laughs> it's interesting because there's like christian based or anti-evolution science books And so, like, I was homeschooled part of the time, and I, like, those are the types of science classes that I took were based around these different theories. And so, That's the thing, is that it's all theoretical. Exactly. And so, I guess I was, like, my whole belief has been it's all theoretical, and we don't know. (laughs) Yeah. That's fascinating. That is. It's crazy. I didn't know you had that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we've never actually talked about dinosaurs. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's We should watch Jurassic Park tonight. (laughs) Well, I actually did some research on some religious views regarding cloning itself. And so I'll just pop through some of those. Jewish people view cloning. It's not necessarily clear, but some Orthodox rabbis allow cloning as a method of reproduction if no other method is available. So Mm. you can't naturally produce a baby. Also, the Jewish religion treats all life equally, even if it was formed by cloning. And for Christianity, most of the Christian churches, including the World Council of Churches and United Methodist Church, opposes the research of cloning of either human embryos or whole humans. The Roman Catholic Church, under the papacy of Benedict XVI, condemned by the practice of human cloning, in the magisterial instruction of the Dignius Personae, 
stating that it represents a grave offense to the dignity of that person as well as the fundamental equality of all people. Many conservative Christian groups have opposed human cloning and the cloning of human embryos since they believe that life begins at the moment of conception. Other Christian denominations such as the United Church of Christ do not believe a fertilized egg constitutes a living being, but they still oppose the cloning of embryonic cells. Islam is opposed to human cloning. According to Islam, cloning of the entire human body is forbidden because of the following reasons. It contradicts the diversity of creation. The relationship between donor and clone cannot be determined. Cloning only requires one gender for genetic information which opposes the natural pattern of creating life by the pairing of a male and female. Islam allows and recommends cloning of a specific part of the human body for the purpose of treatment. So they agree with therapeutic cloning. Interesting. That's crazy. So then to explain therapeutic cloning, therapeutic cloning would involve cloning cells from a human for use in medicine and transplants. Uh, It's an active area of research, but it is not medically practiced anywhere in the world as of 2014. And then there's also reproductive cloning, which would involve making an entire cloned human instead of just a specific cell or tissue. So to go a little bit deeper into therapeutic and reproductive cloning, Um, So the embryo, so if you're picturing an egg being fertilized, because I'm a very visual Hmm. person, (laughs) let's not make this sexual. (laughs) In fact, this is a great time to divulge into my um, definition of in vitro fertilization. So in vitro fertilization is a series of procedures that's used to treat fertility or genetic problems and assist with the conception of a child. Um, The process is in vitro, and the word vitro is Latin for glass, and um, that's in contrast to in vivo, Latin for something that's alive. So basically, it's talking about using something alive in glass, so like a petri dish, to Mm. inseminate an egg to create a fertilized egg in a glass. So that's where the fertilization happens. And then they implant that into the woman to make her pregnant. Did they start doing that in Latin times? Or do we just love getting words from Latin? Uh, We love their words. Great, basically. Cool. Good to know. (laughs) Yeah. So um, to go a little bit deeper in that, so the embryo, when you're looking at like a picture of a microscopic egg um the embryo is like the outer shell area and that carries its own um part of dna from whatever it's being harvested from and that the embryo has identical chromosomal dna as wherever it was harvested so in therapeutic cloning the nucleus is the same as the embryo like the sac so It's the same cell, right? It carries the same DNA as what's in the embryo. Mm -hmm. And so when you recreate that and it divides and creates more tissue, or let's say you're trying to grow an organ in a Petri dish, that's the therapeutic side where you're recreating those same pieces. When reproductive cloning is when the nucleus has a different DNA makeup than what the embryo itself has. So I can see why the therapeutic cloning is really helpful because a lot of trouble that people have with organ transplants or, I mean, even probably skin grafting, things like that, is that it has to match really closely. So I could see why being able to just clone the person's cells would take care of a lot of those problems. Yeah, so therapeutic cloning can be help, like used to help any sort of disease out there. Eventually, if there's more research done, we could replace other cells to help heal people. There's a lot of controversy we've heard in the news just throughout our life. If you've lived on planet Earth, you've heard about stem cells, and those are a type of embryo that can take on any nucleus to then create any type of cell. So this could help build anything. So it's almost so limitless people are afraid of it Mm -hmm. Um, stem cells are undifferentiated unspecialized cells that can both differentiate into specialized cells like a liver or heart cell but it also can divide into more than stem cells alternatively the embryo can be implanted into a surrogate mother to create a new multicellular organism with chromosomal dna as the nuclear donor this method reproductive cloning is an asexual method of reproduction where no fertilization or intergamete contact takes place. 
1999, a private company successfully used SCNT to generate a human-animal hybrid clone that was cultured for several days in a dish and then destroyed. Yeah, that's terrifying. It is terrifying. It's crazy to think that they created something, it looked like it was going really well, and they panicked so much that they had to kill it because they what didn't animal? know. What animal? Did they say? They didn't say. I'd be so curious. Like, did they make a was werewolf? A snake? Ew. <laughs> 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 like, like a weird, skinny, like squiggly human like, <laughs> it's all skin could you imagine like a hairy snake i don't want to i don't want that's a caterpillar in fact i'm just imagining a human that's just made out of one huge leg Ew. Oh, that's nasty anyway soon after thankfully in 2001 the U.S. House of Representatives passed a bill to ban both reproductive and therapeutic cloning. Probably for the best. Yes. Which the president indicated that he would sign, but the Senate vote was not taken. President Bush passed a ban on federal funding for both reproductive and therapeutic cloning, which permits federal funding for research on about 20 human embryonic stem cells created prior to 2001. At this time, there is currently no federal statutes against cloning in the U.S., although several states, including Georgia, legally prohibit reproductive cloning. That's interesting because when I think of stem cells, I kind of have this negative association with it and I didn't really know why, but... That's media, thinking, baby. Yeah, because thinking back, I w- in 2001, I was six years old, I would be, in loose terms, hearing about like basically that stem cells were banned by mm-hmm. the government. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the only mm-hmm. the only view I had into that. Well, that's that's actually pretty correlated with just the politics you were probably exposed to since you were kind of a little bit more of a conservative household. Mm -hmm. And so if you look at especially like President Bush, who was a Republican, Mm -hmm. and so the values associated uh, with conservatives and approaching stuff like this, where they look at stem cells as like embryonic cells and like mm-hmm. you know like pre-life God's life will. yeah well yeah. and also it's like oh no those are baby cells you yeah. know we're, we're using baby cells when really they're just genetic clean slates basically and mm-hmm. you can test them with mm-hmm. growing into well, yeah. you know, livers and all kinds of stuff and so it's actually kind of a shame that the funding went away mm-hmm. i i get it but um it does stink yeah it seems like it didn't have to be canceled altogether like there could have been ways to continue pieces of it without getting into such maybe scary territory yeah but if you think about it like our bodies are constantly creating cells creating cells isn't necessarily or inherently wrong Mm -hmm. it just freaks people out Mm -hmm. yeah in fact i think that was the controversy with planned parenthood and interesting fact planned parenthood was set on fire in our small town that's true and a lot of the controversy at the time with Planned Parenthood is that, and this is very loose from me, who I don't pay too much attention to the news, but I think the reason why there was a lot of uproar about Planned Parenthood at that time was because they were quote unquote outed as a company that sells baby parts to uh. like the black market. See, okay, basically. I didn't hear that. I just know you didn't that hear about they... That? Not that specifically. I have always, I guess, been under the impression that they support abortion and that is Well, they're pro-choice. Pro-choice, yeah. My understanding was that people only associate them with that and therefore think they are bad sometimes and that's the reason. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that they were supposedly (laughs) selling baby parts. Well, there's more to it. It was misinterpreted. There was this smoking gun video of this outster or something like that meeting with a what's the company planned Planned parenthood Parenthood. a meeting with a representative of them talking about i believe it was stem cell research or something like that and they were trying to acquire embryonic cells and the i think at some point they said like oh yeah we can sell you those and then they interpreted that as selling baby parts it was widely widely misinterpreted and used pretty (laughs) Pretty blatantly lying yeah. about. Well, it, again, it was a wreck. so it but was that's a your opinion. It was my opinion, and you it's know. all hearsay through the news and media. So again, it could be overly exaggerated in either sense. But as we talked about earlier in the episode, as I mentioned, umbilical cords are full of stem cells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so are hair. Like you can get cells. 
yeah, from but anything. Remember, okay, maybe not stem cells. The more Sorry. moldable ones, the ones with more value to research, are actually probably going to come That's from true. developing babies. So it is weird that, like, it's weird to think there's a chance that maybe there's people out there trying to find the cure to cancer and mm-hmm. they need stem cells to try to figure out why that's happening or how they could splice something to create something to then stop cells from mutating and creating cancer cells but since those cells came from a baby that was either evacuated from a woman's body because it was her choice or because the baby was sick and needed to be removed or whatever they're wanting to deny that from happening because they're concerned about pro-life versus pro-choice type of thing i think already we're making assumptions because it's not necessarily we're taking the stem cells out of a dead baby this is like pre these are cells before they're tasked with growing a baby you know this is if it's way, coming way from, early in the process. Say, it's not conception or anything. Well, yeah, an umbilical cord, for example, that's not harming anyone. It's mm-hmm. just yeah. something that's going to be discarded in any way. Yeah. Not to some degree. Medical I don't waste. necessarily know what they do with them. But I, yeah. Well, I they think part of it, off. they leave on the baby and it shrinks up and turns into a raisin and creepy moms keep it in a notebook. Yeah. <laughs> My my dad kept my belly button. Yeah, it was so mm. gross. Like, <laughs> That's weird to think that. It's I your bet belly. mine. Yeah, I like bet it. mine has yeah. my family. Your has mom has mine. a pink raisin somewhere. When I house. was yeah. fourteen, I chopped my hair off, and my mom wanted to keep the longest part. Well, that's nightmare-inducing. 14. Mm. Uh, I found out later in life that my dad has a case of all my old baby teeth. So I'm pretty sure my mom still has my baby teeth. Yep. That's so weird. Pretty nasty. Yep. I okay, don't parents, need to judge, stop keeping them. <laughs> They're trying. They were worried about if we died, if they could clone us, so they just yeah. kept whatever pieces they could. Yeah. Can me and you vow right now on the podcast what if you're that a we clone? will throw away our baby's teeth? <laughs> no, I'm absolutely going to be the mom. Who what? Them. Why? Are you kidding it's me? A milestone. You're the type the of dad who would make a scrapbook for each tooth. No. Take a picture of their child while they were losing. each I would tooth. obviously plant the tooth and hope to grow another Ew. baby. <laughs> Isn't that how it works? Okay. Okay. Anyway. Sorry, sorry. Made it weird. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But that's pretty crazy. I'm glad. I'm glad our government is at least taking action to be like, hold up just one second. Don't make an animal, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Don't make it creepy. (laughs) Please. Because I'm scared. (laughs) I'm glad they're toning it back a little bit. Yeah. Like if. Scientists, as amazing and helpful and crazy awesome that they are, um, also could probably get overly excited and accidentally create some sort of mutant worm man or whatever, like I said before. There's a lot of movies about that kind of stuff. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Where uh, it could get out of hand. So I'm glad they're pulling in the reins. (laughs) Well, looking back in time a little bit before we got that far, I wanted to touch on some of the earlier, I guess, history of cloning. Um, So the oldest example of this that I could find was dating back to 1928. A German embryologist and his student were the first to perform somatic cell nuclear transfer using amphibian embryos, one of the first steps towards cloning. He was awarded a Nobel Prize in 1935 for his discovery. Modern cloning techniques involving nuclear transfer have been successfully performed on several species, and so some of the notable ones kind of in order. Uh, In 1952, a tadpole was successfully cloned of a leopard frog. In 1963, a carp, so a type of fish in China, um, the world's first clone fish, was cloned by inserting the DNA from a cell of a male carp into the egg of a female carp. Uh, For sheep, they had a couple early versions of cloning. Uh, In 1984, that marked the first mammal cloning from early embryonic cells, and their names were Megan and Morag. And then in June of 1995, Dolly the sheep uh, was cloned from somatic cells in 1996. Um, So looking a little bit more at Dolly the sheep, this one was pretty historic. So Dolly was the first mammal to have been successfully cloned from an adult somatic cell. Dolly was formed by taking the cell from an udder of a six-year-old biological mother. Dolly's embryo was created by taking the cell and inserting it into the sheep's ovum. It took 434 attempts before an embryo was successful. Yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about. When you say successful, does that mean like implanting it or like... No, so... 
Yeah, I didn't. Unsuccessful organisms. So, so that means that she's the one that lived. Oh, so God. they had many yeah. attempts just getting basically the embryo to take the cells and develop. And then a lot of those didn't come to fruition. And then I think it said there were three that were quote unquote successful, but she was the only one that lived. So she was the only true success. It's hmm. hard because it's like the term practice makes perfect is always good. <laughs> you know what I mean? And the fact that, uh, again, it gets into the pro-life thing where at a certain point mm-hmm. you technically maybe have killed yeah. 400 ranging of developments of sheep yeah just well, to create one clone mm-hmm. and that's how you learn right you have to learn somehow but mm-hmm. the it question gets, is yeah. uh, how many animals or lives or cells need to die to make that happen and it gets a little bit skeezy creepy like i don't know if i could like sleep at night if i knew there were 400 dead sheep on my hands, you know well, what I mean? Well, and if you put it into terms of, for example, if they were doing that with babies, then I think that hits home a little bit more for some people. Uh, yeah, just a little. <laughs> okay, a lot more. But yeah, it's kind of this weird concept of if you're just copying and trying to recreate cells, that's one thing. But then, and we talked about this before we started recording, but the idea of you're creating something that has a consciousness, that has nerves, that can feel pain, and then... 433 of them die that's a problem yeah (laughs) if you yeah and so but it's not something to be like just brushed off that's exactly and so could i play devil's advocate sure i mean have you guys thought about like lab rats or like well yeah i don't feel good about that either on and stuff how the scores of little rodents that mm-hmm. we've killed in the it's name of so yes. many and they feel it's pain so and they have a little life and i don't feel good about that either yeah. it's a very interesting thing but at the same time we do all these experiments to make life better and in a lot of ways we have made life better we've come up with vaccines and various things to prolong people's lives but it's weird cause this is going to get spiritual real yeah. quick but um i think that all these theories and just it we're talking about life and death here and for me my like spirituality is based on the fact that i believe that every living being and earthly material item that is either created by man or animal or just existing is just the earth evolving to learn more about itself and its consciousness Mm -hmm. so in a lot of ways i feel like there is a lot of weight and importance that can be put on the fact that actually these scientists are trying to learn about cloning and our existence and our consciousness and what it means to be real or a clone or Mm -hmm. a a carbon copy of a living being or whatever Mm -hmm. to create something new so in a lot of ways I find that so magical and beautiful and spiritual that they would take the time money and resources to devote their life to figuring out how to do this because Mm -hmm. I think their intentions probably are pure. I mean, there could be some ego behind it and some pride in trying to like figure these things out. But also I think there's something to be said about making that happen. In my heart of hearts, I do feel weird about things dying in the process to learn about that. So that's where it starts to get a little bit gray area for me where it's good to try to learn and grow, but I feel like a lot of that comes from your mentality and how you treat others, and mm. I don't know about killing them. <laughs> yeah, it definitely doesn't feel good. Yeah, so I don't know. It's all about, I mean, in these circumstances, I could see why spirituality plays a huge part of it, mm-hmm. and I could completely understand why even our listeners probably have different views than we do on yeah. why it's okay or not okay, which mm-hmm. is completely valid. Well, yeah, and even just for myself, I don't know how to feel about it because there is so many pros and cons, and just it, it's a tough thing to wrap your head around and to decide, you know, it's hard to say what's the right thing to do. Yeah. So going back to Dolly the sheep, so as far as her being cloned, the embryo was placed inside a female sheep that went through a normal pregnancy. She was cloned at the Roslyn Institute in Scotland by British scientists, and she lived there from birth in 1996 until her death in 2003 when she was six years old. She was born on July 5th of 1996, but was not announced to the world until February 22nd of 1997. Sneaky. So yeah, they went on for like six or seven months like, "Mm, we're going to keep this to ourselves. (laughs) 
Um, and so uh, she was very historic, and I mean, this was a big accomplishment for them. And so uh, her stuffed remains were placed Ooh. in a museum in Scotland. Hmm. So I'm pretty sure you can go see her to this day. Wow. She's as old as me. Wow. And then, well, a little younger than me. I wonder if she was ever sheared. Somebody made a sweater out of like <gasps> Maybe. clone sweater. Clone That'd be sweater. Yeah. <laughs> if there ever was a benefit to cloning, that would be the most sweaters. <laughs> More wool. Wow. <laughs> That's an interesting thought. Yeah, but Dolly was publicly significant because the effort showed that genetic material from a specific adult cell designed to express only a distinct subset of its genes can be redesigned to grow an entirely new organism. Before this demonstration, it had been shown that nuclei from different cells could give rise to an entire organism after transplantation into an enucleated egg. However, this concept was not yet demonstrated in a mammalian system. So I have a question. Like, what what year was this? 1996. And so the accomplishment was basically conception outside of natural means, basically. Yes. And also that they took the cells from an adult. Oh, yeah. Okay. That was a big part of it. I was going to say, I was like, not terribly impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> that makes more sense. Yeah. yeah. So there were early claims that Dolly the sheep had pathologies resembling accelerated aging. Scientists speculated that Dolly's death in 2003 was related to the shortening of the DNA protein complexes that protected the end of linear chromosomes. However, other research, including the person who led the team that successfully cloned Dolly argued that Dolly's early death due to respiratory infection was unrelated to the problems with the cloning process. Hmm. Yeah, so there is a question of whether or not the lifespan of a cloned being is going to be as good. They've done a lot of... (laughs) Just a visual that I have with that is like, so you know, when you go to a giant printer and make a copy, you put in your original and you make a copy and it comes out, it's a little fuzzy. And then <laughs> and you, you might do again. it again and it's a little more fuzzy. Yeah. It's like, mm, what kind of glue is holding these like cells and embryos mm-hmm. and splits and divides of DNA all together? You know, mm-hmm. I could imagine there's some speculation yeah. with that. Yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah. Um, So they actually did an eight-year study involving the use of a pioneering cloning technique. And so Japanese researchers created 25 generations of healthy cloned mice with normal lifespans, demonstrating that clones are not intrinsically shorter-lived than naturally-born animals. Uh, Other sources have noted that offspring of clones tend to be healthier than the original clones and indistinguishable from the animals produced naturally. So, granted, mice live a lot shorter lives than humans (laughs) or some of these bigger animals, but they did studies and and it was hard to conclude that they live shorter lives. Well, I think, like, the advancement as far as the technology of cloning, like, in Jet's analogy with the printer, it's like they've essentially upped the resolution and eliminated the, um, the the possibility of the embryo before it's, like, implanted in the host of like catching a disease or like getting some mm-hmm. genetic something wrong with it that probably killed yeah. Dolly. But. It's isolating it and keeping out all other factors. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like thinking about a designer dog, right? Some Someone might want to have a half Yorkie, half Poodle mm-hmm. and something perfect. They're perfectly breeding those animals to create that outcome. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you were strategic enough of a scientist and creating these clones where mm-hmm. you took the exact clone that you wanted to happen and splice their DNA Mm -hmm. together to make it perfect. Like it could happen to where maybe it's less flawed than the natural fertilization Mm -hmm. of an egg creating a human. Well, I think that, well, at least the thing I was saying more is like, if, if you're making a cake, like the longer you actually keep it out of the oven, the more likely it is for it to like get something in it or like get a hair in it or something like that. And like so if, you leave if these it on the guys, counter for six months, yeah, yeah. if these be guys gross. are quickly, you know, replicating the same mice, they kind of hone their craft and they kind of get the process down quicker. Whereas I'm sure in the first attempt, when you're able to get just like one sheep out of 400, mm-hmm. it's a little bit, I would say, uh, messier, I guess, yeah, and more yeah. kind of prone to faulty mm-hmm. conclusions or something like yeah. that. So you also got to wonder if that scientist has like an off day mixed in there where they're like not paying that close attention because they're tired because they broke up with their girlfriend the night before and they're trying to like splice DNA or whatever the heck they're doing in the lab and some like snake DNA gets in there. Oh, 
<laughs> I think they're a I little more careful than that. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Anyway, I'm just saying <laughs> mm-hmm. we're not all perfect at our jobs every day. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of scary that these guys are kind of like magically splicing together people and places and things <laughs> <laughs> all in one Petri dish. And uh, they could have an off day at work and create some sort of mutant society. That's where I'll leave that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But a detailed study in 2016 and a less detailed study by others uh, as well have suggested that cloned animals that get past the first month or two of life, they are generally healthy. But isn't that true with like regularly grown humans too though? Yeah. Like there's a thing that you, like I have heard that it's kind of a rule of thumb. You don't announce a pregnancy until second trimester because. Yeah. Like 12 weeks in. Yeah. You never know. So the last tidbit I have about Dolly was that she was named after the performer Dolly Parton. Because the cells cloned to make her were from mammary gland cells. Oh. And Parton was known for her ample cleavage. Oh, my goodness. She Dolly. She Didn't Dolly. Didn't I have to tell you that she was known for that at one point? Her not boobs? that long ago? Yeah. No. I watched Hannah Montana. I know what Dolly Parton's boobs look like in a shirt. I don't even know who Dolly Maybe Parton is. Maybe it was Eric. Is. I had to tell someone. I was like, oh, yeah, well, Dolly Parton, you know. And he was like, what? I was like, well, it's a thing. What? Yeah. I don't even know. I had who to she show is. my husband Dolly Parton. She, she was boobs. like tiny, skinny as a rail, yeah. and then she had like watermelons as boobs on her chest and giant, tall, blonde, curly hair. So, looking forward to the timeline of other animals that they have tried cloning. In 1986, they have successfully cloned mice with early embryonic cells. In early 2000, they cloned a monkey named Tetra. In 2000, um, they cloned the first successful pigs. And this was kind of crazy. By 2014, BGI in China was producing 500 cloned pigs a year to test new medicines on. Oh, I was wondering what the motive would be for that. Yeah, so that was kind of unsettling. Well, again, with the whole trying to learn and grow, Mm -hmm. like there's some purity and like lovingness to that process mm-hmm. like, it, like the motive is good but oh you gotta think about cringy. the quality of life and like yeah. maybe what that looks like and it's a little cringy a little cringy anyway i guess also what are they testing on them you know mm-hmm. spooky lipstick <laughs> maybe <laughs> lipstick and lip injections and butt fillers yeah in 2001 they cloned the first endangered species which was a gar so a form of cow um, cloned from a cow named Bessie. Cute. Um, I like that some of the names they gave to clones. Uh, in 2001, they cloned cattle named Alpha and Beta. Mm. In mm. late 2001, they cloned a cat named Copycat. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. You were cat people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What else? In 2003, they cloned a mule named Idaho Jim. Oh. Close to home. Um, they have cloned dogs, um, one named Snuppy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> same. Same. Cool. Uh, in 2005, they've cloned wolves. So their names were Snoolf and Snoolfy. Creative, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because they're part snake. <laughs> Snoolf. Snake wolf. <laughs> snake wolf. This is my brother. Snowwolfy. <laughs> Man, this is like tying back to our furry episode now. Oh no. There's Another scaly. Oh yeah, scaly furries. <laughs> a a snowwolf. <laughs> Someone create that out there. A, a snowwolf. Snowwolf. Maybe they it already, already exists. I'm sure they do. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so they've done a lot of cloning where the animal it was technically successful because it worked, but then the animals died pretty quickly after. Um, in 2009, they cloned a water buffalo, but it unfortunately what? died five days later Bummer. due to lung infection. Hmm. They have cloned an ibex in 2009, um, which was the first extinct animal to be cloned back to life. Ooh. An ibex? Ibex. Oh, an ibex. ibex. Sounds like a Pokemon. It does. It really yeah. does. What is it? It's a cloned Pokemon. (laughs) And the Ibex clone lived for seven minutes before dying of lung defects. It seems like lung defects is a trend, but Mm -hmm. I'm not positive. Hmm. Part of me is like almost thinking like, are they too pure for this world? Maybe. Our air poisons. It's either that or the respiratory system is complex. (laughs) Well, in fact, I'm I'm just talking out of my butt here a little bit. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure lungs are one of the last things to develop in babies of any kind. And so I could imagine maybe there's something with development 
mm-hmm. happening where makes sense i mean there's this weird limbo state right where it's always hard to calculate how long a pregnancy actually takes in a woman because technically isn't it 10 months because it's 40 weeks yeah yeah you could get pregnant at the beginning of a cycle and that doesn't count until you've missed your period Mm -hmm. as officially being fertilized so there's this weird maybe (laughs) extra three weeks (laughs) growth period yeah where maybe those extra three weeks were the time that that clone had where it was in a petri dish that it didn't have to develop where the human or not human body but the um pregnant body of whatever host animal was pregnant with this clone didn't have the time to grow it as long as it needed to be Mm because maybe a week or whatever it was in a freezer or (laughs) a uh, petri dish where it wasn't in a womb trying to grow Mm -hmm. so i don't know Hmm. food for thought yeah uh, in 2009, they cloned a camel. Uh, in 2000, Why? <laughs> Who knows? That's a big Why? project. <laughs> yeah. uh, in 2013, they cloned another extinct animal um, that was extinct from 1983, and it was a gastric brooding frog. Important. Um, it only lived for a few days, though. Hmm. Bummer. In 2017, they cloned a type of monkey that was the first successful cloning of a primate species using nuclear transfer with the birth of two live clones named Zong Zong and Hu Hu. That's great. It's a good name. <laughs> yeah. And this was conducted in China in 2017 and then reported in January of 2018. And in January of 2019, scientists in China reported the creation of five identical clone genetic monkeys using the same cloning technique that was used with Zong Zong and Hu Hu and Dolly the sheep. The same gene editing CRISPR technique allegedly used in creating the first ever gene-modified human babies, Lulu and Nana. Yes, and I have information on that. And oh boy, this is quite the story. And Dakota can help me talk about this more because he, I think you heard about it from NPR originally? Yeah, I mean, I'll try. I just heard like a segment on it. Yeah, so I'll dive into it a little bit. So Lulu and Nana became international news in November of 2018. Um, Especially because they had a lot of scientific debate surrounding and media speculation around what had gone on with their creation, I suppose. A lot of the debate was about um, potential impacts of modifying their genes for CCR5. One recent study prompted the MIT Technology Review to suggest the twins have enhanced memories and learning abilities leading to copycat stories worldwide that exercise less restraint. And in June, drawing on population analysis of variants of the gene CCR5 published in Nature Medicine, headlines blared that the girls might have shortened lives. So there's a main scientist, and actually in media, they call him like Dr. Frankenstein, right? And I guess he's been splicing DNA to try to like basically create medical problems. So for example, if a baby has a mother and a father that are carriers for a certain DNA sequence that the baby is then destined to have a predetermined condition or something like that, this scientist is trying to find a way using CRISPR to splice into their DNA and basically edit that part out. And in this case, uh, Hie Jianku's attempt is to cripple the CCR5 gene for the protein on immune cells that HIV uses to infect the cells, also made off-target changes elsewhere in the girls' genomes. Those changes could cause cancer or other problems. He contends that the babies have no such off-target mutations, although some scientists are skeptical of the evidence offered so far. So what I heard about this is he was basically looked at as being scientifically irresponsible because he couldn't confirm the side effects of what he was doing. And so it was essentially an experiment on a conscious being, which we do Two the lab them, rats. Twins. And, twins mm-hmm. in this case. But they're conscious and they're also human. And so they're the first genetically modified human. And this set a precedent for if this was even successful, which is the best case scenario for these girls, and they are now hopefully immune to HIV, which is what their father had, and that's what he was trying to eliminate. But this opens the door for, well, conceptually, this opens the door for genetically modified humans. And so if we look at like fruits and stuff like that. You can make an apple bigger and juicier using GMO fruits and vegetables and all that stuff to make more desirable attributes to each kind of specimen. But if you look at that in humans, and then you think about like classism and stuff, you could essentially have this 
industry that makes kind of bespoke humans for people who can afford it. And so you can pay for like, oh, I want my kid to have a jawline and be a successful e-boy or something like that. <laughs> and, you know, you can pay a certain amount of money no, uh, that's for your that conceptually. Dream. <laughs> that is my dream, but that, and that's long gone. Um, and so conceptually, if this project or this this experiment that he did is successful um it sets a weird precedent because it basically opens the door for what are arguably unethical uh, scientific advancements uh, in the eyes of some people um and then if it fails obviously it's at the cost of two conscious twin girls and which is also a huge super bummer yeah and a part of that also is that hiv is manageable now so in a lot of ways it's like splicing into dna when like they could probably i mean it would be a lifetime of illness guaranteed for these children um again i don't know i'm not super informed on how hiv takes a toll on the body when you have it from birth to the end of your life yeah i'm not sure um but from what i understand hiv is very manageable now with medication and so it's interesting that they would go this far to stop that from happening. I mean, maybe it's a nice balance, right, where they know they're going to have a lifelong disease that's manageable, but they could cure it at the source. Mm-hmm. It's it's this interesting contrast where it's like, it could be done, doesn't need to be done. Well, he did it. So that's where the controversy comes from. Well, and it raises the question of what things can we prevent at birth or early on that kids that struggle their whole lives could be preventable like i don't know like forms of diabetes or cancers or just various things Wearing that glasses. are genetic yes absolutely bad eyesight you know asthma okay stop <laughs> explaining my life <laughs> i keep looking at you for ideas <laughs> small head <laughs> now if we're done explaining my flaws <laughs> small head isn't bad yeah it's cute it's cute. It's I would than a argue, huge head. I would argue that hats fit me better than you. Exactly. Yeah. Normal cases. head. Wish you I had a big petite head. head. Yeah. I'll, I'll change it to petite head. <laughs> Thank you. Um. So a little bit more about the CCR5 gene. So people inherit this gene, one from each parent. Um, he chose the gene as a target because he knew that 1% of Northern European populations are born with both copies missing in the 32 base pairs of DNA, resulting in truncated protein that doesn't reach the cell surface. These people are known as CCR5-32 homozygotes. Goodness. And they appear healthy and are highly resistant to the HIV infection. Wow. Hmm. Wow. In the embryos his team edited, the researchers did not attempt to delete these exact 32 base pairs. Rather, the group designed CRISPR, that's C-R-I-S-P-R, to cut the CCR5 at the base pair at one end of the natural deletion. The error-prone cell repair mechanism, which CRISPR depends on to finish knocking out genes, then deleted 15 base pairs in one of Lulu's copies of the gene, but not the other. With the normal CCR5, she is expected to have no protection from HIV. Nana, according to the data presented by the doctor at an international genome editing summit held in November of 2018 in Hong Kong, had bases added to one CCR5 copy and deleted from the other, which likely would cripple both genes and provide HIV resistance. With its CRISPR revolution, China becomes a world leader in genome editing. The scientist added the genes for CRISPR machinery almost immediately after each embryo was created through in vitro fertilization. But several researchers who closely studied the slide cautioned that it may have done its editing after Nana's embryo was already past the one cell stage. That means that she could be a genetic mosaic who has some unaffected cells with normal CCR5 and ultimately might have no protection against HIV. So the point being is that even though this man is the most like advanced doctor or scientist in this field trying to use CRISPR to splice into people's DNA to make genetically modified DNA strands to cut out the unwanted attributes... It's obvious that there are still mistakes and it's still not perfect. 
And it is controversial because he's just kind of going for it when we don't know the what could happen to these girls. Well, and it raises the question of what pain could you cause down the line because of the things you're doing that are quote-unquote unnatural. Mm-hmm. Well, again, to play the devil's advocate, if this girl was going to be born and then be prone to HIV later on, mm-hmm. there's a question of whether or not that's ethical. But Jet, you yeah. were saying earlier in the episode that this kind of adventure into the unknown for the advancement of humanity and kind of the universe learning about itself was actually kind of a beautiful thing. Like, what are your... Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I don't like stomping all over ideas because I'm afraid of them. And I feel like it's human nature to have the fight or flight reaction to anything that you're not familiar with. So in my opinion, I don't, I'm not the one conducting these experiments. I'm not devoting my life to these things. I don't know if I personally would seek the value in that in my own life and trying to make that happen because... That just might be too much for me. Mm -hmm. But I also can respect and I'm not going to sit here and just like degrade the guy who's trying. Because ultimately on paper, if we just look at it for what he is, he's a guy trying to be a scientist. Again, maybe for some of the pride, but also the fact that he could help cure HIV. Yeah. Freaking kill me. That's amazing. Like, but... But at what cost? Exactly. Like we were, we were kind of like, ooh, ooh, when we were talking about the 400 plus dead sheep to make Dolly. Yeah. Which was an underwhelming sheep anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, just a sheep who lived six years. Whoopie she didn't doo. even make a sweater or anything. Um, <laughs> but you know, like this guy may, he very well may have found a alternative mm-hmm. means to kind of cure HIV. Mm-hmm. Potentially, you know, depending on how this girl's life works out. But at the cost, potentially, again, of a girl's life, you know? Yeah. And so we're like, ooh, mm-hmm. goats or sheep. <laughs> you know, oh, oh my goodness, uh, human rights or animal rights and all this stuff. And, you know, now we have these two twins who have mm-hmm. been affected by this and we don't really know what's going to happen. And so I feel like that's where the controversy is at, um, yeah. along with other things. But it, it's weird to... And the I part, know. I mean, the article that I read closes out basically saying there is no follow-up really being done with these girls they were just created with the hope and dream that it worked but now they're just kind of living their lives and they're not really being researched that's outrageous i mean you you obviously should be able to live these lives and and these girls should be be test subjects for the rest of their lives but at the same time like what why what's the point what's the point if you're gonna make it and then not document the Reminds yeah. me back to episode one, MK Ultra. Yeah, man. Why mind control? Why anything if you're not measuring it accordingly? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a fine line for sure. And, it, you know, who's to say what's right or wrong? But, yeah, it seems like there's some gaps, to say the least. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. with you this. observe and report. You mm-hmm. don't just impregnate people and then walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and by it's... far, human cloning is for sure the most controversial because, of course, it hits close to home. Um, so I guess to explain for, again, for anyone who doesn't know, human cloning is the creation of a genetically identical copy of a human. And, you know, typically this refers to artificial human cloning, which is the reproduction of human cells and tissues. Um, so this does not typically, uh, refer to natural conception and delivery of identical twins. This is more like a, what you would imagine as what they call a test tube baby. Oh, grow it in a in a womb. I didn't know that was the term. Yeah, you, um, uh, you've never heard that term. I guess not. Gotta get with the times, man. Sorry, Jeez. I'm out of the loop. But yeah, as we've talked about, there's a lot of controversies and ethical concerns with this. And one thing you touched on was that some nations have, including ours, have passed legislation regarding human cloning and its legality and whether or not they agree with and allow it. As of right now, um, at least what I had was that scientists have no intention of trying to clone people and they believe their results should spark a wider discussion about the laws and regulations the world needs to regulate cloning. Agreed. (laughs) And so it sounds like there are ways around this where maybe we're cloning cells or manipulating genes and things like that. We're not trying to more or less photocopy human beings into multiple human beings. But there, there's definitely a lot of possibilities and questions that have been raised about what's possible and what's ethical to do. Yeah. 
I think the real like takeaway and the real benefit of all this research that's been done is that cloning is essentially kind of a fruitless endeavor. Like it was like, oh, we want to see if we can do it for the sake of doing it. Whereas the tools that they've acquired, like CRISPR, mm-hmm. while pursuing cloning has led to this genetically modified thing, was can be potentially a good thing, potentially a bad thing. But I feel like that's the big takeaway is, mm-hmm. is the genetic modification and the kind of bespoke organism as opposed to just replication which is kind of a vain thing to do to begin with Mm -hmm. also you have to think about timing like i feel like timing is everything and like for example i'm glad that maybe they didn't exist dinosaurs (laughs) are walking this earth with us now yeah that's jurassic park right exactly things that, that you bring back to life or clone that you really shouldn't exactly and so It's all about timing, and I think natural selection and a lot of the natural beauties of our world with just, like, trying to have a baby naturally if you can. If it's not an option for you, you could try in vitro fertilization if it's what you want, but also just letting life take its course and natural selection kind of just go on. So far, so good, right? At least for humans, right? We've been around a couple thousand years at this point, and debatably six or millions. Yes, six thousand or millions. Of years. <laughs> not, not debatable. Not either, but one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on if you ask my mother yeah. or science. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's concede with ballpark between six, six and six plus. million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> somewhere in there. But of course, there's a ton of information about cloning. A lot of it is very, very scientific and specific. And so, as always, we are not experts. We are just fascinated. And so you can subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts to hear us again next week. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you have information to add to this week's topic or corrections to things (laughs) that we have said or tried to understand, please email us at friendsfascinated at gmail.com to be featured at the beginning of a future episode. We can't wait to blow your mind with more curiosities next week. You've just listened to another episode of Friends Fascinated. And if you have a fascinating fact to send in to us, please do, and we will feature you on a future episode also thank you to my husband dakota jones for being a part of this episode you're welcome love you i love you gross thanks for listening